This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Got in there about 2.30. It was about 3 o'clock, and a nice, a decent-sized six-pointer came in. He was feeding around, and um, and then it was, I think, about 3.45, a spike ran in three does and he was just grunting his head off chasing these does around and um you know i'm just sitting there watching them the does are right underneath my stand at this point and then they all get their heads up and they're just staring at something behind me and i like slowly look over my right shoulder and here he is coming up this old roadbed coming straight towards us what are you going to do she's down let's go Dude, I just shot a deer of a lifetime. Freaking smoked him. One with nature, and if you're a believer, one with God. Definitely gets your heart pumping. Boy, you are in trouble. Oh, Obsession Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to another Fall Obsession podcast episode. I'm Sam, I'm your host for this week's podcast. We are driven by Ridge Rock Hunt Company, and I will talk more about them at the close of our episode today. Kim Sullivan is my guest this week. She's one of our field staff here at Fall Obsession. Welcome back to the podcast, Kim. Thank you, excited to be on here. Yeah, excited also. Uh, Always good to jump back on here with our staffers, and I don't know, I kind of have the the post deer hunting blues right now it's kind of sad that it's all coming coming to an end especially after such a good year so it's kind of yeah i'm glad we get to recap it but it's kind of disappointing at the same time (laughs) yeah you're not the only one it's been rough yeah yeah well uh on that note i know uh a couple months back we had a, a photo on our social media pages and everything of a of a nice buck that that you were able to take this year and kind of wanted to lead in and, and tell that story here today. Um, but starting it off, I know you've been on the podcast with us several times before. We've talked some some management strategies. You've kind of over the course of time given us some history on some certain deer that you've hunted over the years and everything. So what 
what did the season look like entering this year and what were some of your expectations uh, as your hunting season started in 2022? So this year for me, um, I have had a complete change, a big 360 when it comes to my hunting. Um, I actually had to make some life changes and um, just considering, you know, a better path for my future. And within those changes, I had to move where I previously lived and previously hunted. So I am still in the same county, which is Franklin County in Virginia. Um, I'm just on the western end of the county in a place called Ferrum, which it's kind of where I work. I've been working there for three years. I was just on the opposite side of the county as far as where I lived and hunted. But now I'm in the same area. I'm about three miles from where I work. But with that being said, I no longer have the same property I used to hunt. So I don't have any history anymore with my deer that I used to have history with. Um, this year, I... You know, where I moved the date, I think I moved in June in the summer. And right when I moved, I began my land research. I had no idea where I was going to be hunting. I didn't have anywhere to hunt. I didn't know where I was going to hunt. So I just constantly, you know, did some land research on my Onyx and HuntWise apps that I use. And I ended up finding a familiar name um, on the landowner with a family that I used to teach um, their granddaughter and I reached out to them and it was about three miles from where I currently live now where the property is and even they were so sweet and offered me they said absolutely we don't hunt that property um you know it's about 40 acres they're like we don't hunt that side we have another piece of property that we really stay on nobody ever really hunts over there you're more than welcome to you're more than welcome to come out and do whatever you want if you want to do your food plotting stuff whatever you know so i i think i lucked out with that because like i said it's three miles from where i live now um and i remember the day that they gave me access or you know granted me permission i was out there and I, I packed up my stuff i put on my scouting clothes i got out there set up some cameras i just walked the property just trying to figure it out um you know i so i basically started from day one not knowing anything about the property just to getting out there scouting um i i think for for the first few weeks i was checking my cameras weekly and didn't have much on there except for bear i had a ton of bear huh. and um and then like a few weeks later this big buck showed up on camera and i was like oh gosh <laughs> i said he's mine this year he's a shooter i'm focusing on him and it just it completely turned my excitement because i was i was just it was the unknown for me. You know, I, I had been so lucky the past few years to where, you know, I would walk out the back door and I could go to a tree stand and, um, and we had, you know, a prime hunting spot that I no longer have access to. So it was just the super unknown. And I was just faced with a lot, a lot of challenges of figuring it out on my own again. And, um, but again, you know, the challenge is what makes it all worth it. If, if you can piece it together, um, I I just constantly put my trail cameras out. I was walking over the summer trying to figure the property out. It was a tough property to figure out because the field entering the property was right off the road and was behind the landowner's homes. And then you hit a power line, a big power line, where it, was, it had been cut over a few years back. So it had grown up pretty tall. It was thick with briars and, and um, 
like small thin pines so I felt like the deer would be bedded in there, but it was just hard to figure out where to hunt because there were really no trees to be able to climb and and set up ladder stands and stuff. So I really needed to buy a tripod stand, but I just did not want to invest in that right away. Um, So I went out and I bought a ground blind because most of my pictures where I were getting the buck was on like an open portion of that power line, about 20 yards. And, and he was in there really frequently. Um, He also showed up with another really nice buck. Um, He the one that I ended up killing was a big wide eight pointer. And that's the one I keep talking about that kept showing up on camera, but he would show up with another buck, which I think was a 10 pointer. He was real tall, but a narrow buck. Um, either way, I said, if I see one of those deer, I'm probably going to shoot it. And um, so I bought a ground blind. I remember setting up the ground blind. Um, I think it was like three days before opening day of bow season, which I can't remember the, the date but you know early october for us yeah and um i did not want to set it up super early because there were so many bear on my camera and i was like i know that how that's gonna go so i ended up setting it up like three days before the season opener and i remember we had some type of like horrible weather maybe it was like we had some remnants of a hurricane i can't remember but we had crazy wind um leading up to opening day and rain and and i did not hunt opening morning because it was pouring down raining windy and i went in there opening evening and when i got in there my ground blind was just tore up (laughs) and it wasn't from a bear um it was just all twisted up from the wind and stuff and i was like well there goes my plan for the day. So I just ended up, I think I ended up hunting off the ground that day. I didn't see anything. Um, I, I said, okay, well, I'm done with the ground blind stuff. So I ended up taking my climber in. Our acorn crop was crazy this year. We had a big crop of acorns. And, I mean, it was to the point where you would walk in and they were just everywhere. So it was just a matter of finding where those deer wanted to be, where they were, you know, I don't think they had to move a lot this season to feed. Um, So I ended up hunting. I had to hunt real close to the property line because there were not many hardwoods and oaks, but I I found a good spot. I got in um, the first few days that I hunted. I saw four, three or four does each day. Um, And then I kept hunting, kept hunting. I didn't really see much. And then there were days where I saw nothing and I just kept hunting. I kept at it, but didn't see anything. Um, So then I, you know, started to get a little frustrated. I'm like, okay, maybe I'm not figuring out this property the way that I thought. So I would move and I relocate to a different spot. And I ended up finding this spot where there was three or four fresh scrapes when I got in there. And I was like, okay, I think this is a good spot. I'm going to set my climber up. This was another thing. I didn't have any hang-on stands. I didn't have any ladder stands. I used my climber every single day, which if you hunt with a climber, um, I love them, but they're exhausting to, you know, go in and out with and just cut. Like some days I just get so unmotivated because I'm just like, I don't feel like the climber today. I don't feel like using it, but it's all I had. So I just kept at it as much as I could. Some days I would leave my climber on the tree and just come back and, and whatnot. Um, the area where I thought was going to be good because there was fresh sign, it was, I had to walk through the middle of the property and it was just, I just felt like 
you know, I was messing up by walking in, but in reality, it was really the only good way in because the other way in was just so thick. I just, you know, I just couldn't, I didn't want to walk through that. Um, but you know, I hunted probably a, a week straight and I didn't see anything. And then one evening I saw a big buck coming off of, there's a pasture on the back of this property on another, um, piece of property. And I saw a buck coming off of that pasture field. I couldn't tell what he was, but I, I could, I got excited. So I knew that he was, a, you know, a decent buck. And I said, okay, so maybe I am in the right location. I stayed, I hunted, I hunted the next few days, saw nothing. <laughs> so then my frustration level goes back up and I'm just like, you know, I, it, it's just, it's hard when you're constantly there and, and you're working so hard to get in and you're taking so much time and then you just don't see much. Um, so I gave it a few days, maybe a week break where I just did not go. I did not go back in there. And I went back. It was towards the end of October where usually the rut is starting for us. Then you're starting to see some chasing and whatnot. And um, I remember, you know, telling myself, I'm like, I'm outsmarting myself. I need to go back where I saw the doe, where I saw all the does at the beginning of the season, where there were acorns. That's where I need to be at this point and i just need to hunt it and just you know just see what happens yeah and so i went back in there and i remember it was the wednesday before bow season went out which for us is like the last week of october um and i went in there and i set up and it was it was a fairly warm evening and i just i felt you know how you go in sometimes and you're like i just feel this this evening feels good yeah um you know, I, I had set up in there and it, it, I got that feeling. And then on the back side of the property, there's some houses and there's there were kids outside playing and they were so loud and they were just screaming, having fun, you know, enjoying a warm October evening. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm not going to see anything today. You know, that's just my luck. Um, but I stayed at it and it was like 30 minutes later, I looked up and there was three or four does out in front of me and I no idea where they came from. Sometimes deer just appear out of nowhere. And then I swore I heard a grunt and sure enough, over my right shoulder, this buck had, I mean, he was nose down and he was going straight for those doe. It was too far with a bow, um, but I tried to grunt and try to get him to come back in, but he wasn't having it. And I mean... I just remember because I hadn't had a lot of pictures of him. That's the first time I'd actually seen him and not from a trail camera picture. And I just, I mean, I was shaking. I was, it, I was excited. It, it completely like turned my whole frustration around, even though, you know, I didn't kill him, but I did see him. And I said, okay. So I remember I took off work the next day, the next morning, I took off a half day and I did a, um, a personal day. So I didn't do a sick day. I did a personal <laughs> yeah. Day. Let, let's clarify. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, I, I hunted there that morning and I did not see him, but there was a ton of deer activity that morning. I saw a really nice eight pointer, a different eight pointer, a lot of chasing going on. And I said, okay, this, this is the right spot. It's just a matter of time now. Um, I went back Thursday evening. I didn't see anything. And then I said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to leave it alone for a day. Muzzleloader opens Saturday. So I did not hunt at all Friday. 
and Saturday we had horrible weather again. You know, it was just the trend for our season this year. Uh, it was raining, pouring, downpouring. I said, well, I'm not going in my with my muzzleloader, you know, Saturday morning in the rain. So, but I told myself, I said, the second that it stops raining, I said, I'm going to be, I'm going to be out there. And the rain cleared about 2 p.m. that evening. And I got in there, I think I was set by about 2.30. And I had left my stand, so my stand was soaked. But, you know, yeah. what, whatever, that's that's little problems at this point. Right. So got in there about 2.30. It was about 3 o'clock, and a nice, a decent-sized six-pointer came in. He was feeding around. And, um, and then it was, I think, about 3.45, a spike ran in three does. And he was just grunting his head off, chasing these does around. And, um, you know, I'm just sitting there watching them. The does are right underneath my stand at this point. And then they all get their heads up and they're just staring at something behind me. And I like slowly look over my right shoulder and here he is coming up this old roadbed coming straight towards us. And I was like, oh, and I didn't, I did not hesitate. I knew exactly who he was. And I said, okay, I had my gun in my lap at that point and I had to turn my gun um, over my right shoulder. And I thought I messed up because the butt of my gun, the rubber got stuck in my rain jacket as I was trying to turn. Oh, and I was like, messing with it and i know i made some kind of noise when i finally got it turned and he stopped and he froze right where he was and i was like oh god i just screwed up but nope he stopped perfectly and i just put my scope on him and i shot and i remember this like it was yesterday he literally just like trotted off down the woods behind where he came from and and just stopped and i was like oh my I, I missed him. Like what? And so I'm shaking, you know, trying to reload my gun, trying to find my, my quick load, trying to get everything. I'm like, Oh my God, I missed him. What? And then I see him start wobbling and then he just falls. And wow. I was like, Oh my gosh. And then, you know, I remember from the stand, like calling my, my mom and dad, FaceTiming them and calling my important people. And then the landowner actually texted me and was like, was that you? And I said, yeah. He said, was it the big one? I said, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> so I took, you know, took my time getting down and, and went over to him. And, and I mean, best feeling ever when you see him there yeah. and you walk up to him and put your hands on him. Um, then the work begun because yeah. I had to drag that thing out myself. Um, it, the landowner actually brought a four-wheeler and came to help me, but where I went in, he couldn't get into because it was just so thick and the creek couldn't cross the creek. So I had to had to do some some crazy work myself. But uh, you know, it's at that point I don't care how hard it is. It's it's the best feeling. So completely long story short, completely new territory this year. Huge challenge trying to figure it out, but uh, so worth it in the end when you actually piece it all together and it just works out the way you wanted it to yeah absolutely yeah it's crazy how how fast how just one moment like that can completely change the whole the whole dynamic yep. of your entire season you know I, yeah. i've experienced oh, yeah. that several times so <laughs> and i, I, I yeah. laughed when you said that uh that you could hear the the neighbor's kids you know yeah. <laughs> yelling and screaming because actually where i have one of my bow stands on our property here in texas um, it's somewhat close to the property line, but mm -hmm. now at least my last sit of the season, um, with all the leaves gone and everything, like I hadn't hunted that barren on that property in that spot ever before. And it's reasonably close to the property line. There's a house on the other side of the property line. I bow hunt the area, so it's not an issue, but, um, yeah, I could hear the, 
I could hear the husband pull back in when he got home from work and shut his door and get out and have a conversation in the driveway with his wife. And I'm like, golly, their voices really carry without all these leaves on the trees. Holy cow. Yeah. Hope they don't talk about anything too important. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny though. It's just, but like you said, like that one moment, just, I mean, I was so frustrated just all season long. Um, you know, texting my friends being like, Oh, I hate this. This is horrible. I'm not going to see, I haven't seen anything. And then it just all changes, you know, it's just, it's, it's, I think it's hard to have such a positive mindset when you, you put so much work into it and then it's just not coming together like you thought it would. Um, but then, you know, you, you just have to stay at it, have to stay persistent and it just usually pays off. Yeah, no, it, it will at some point for sure. So so is this a property that you're going to stay on or keep hunting moving or at least plan to right now moving into next season? Yeah. Um, I actually remember how I was talking about how the two bucks were traveling together this summer. Um, I never saw the other one, which I said was like a tent, a narrow, tall 10 pointer, never saw him. Um, but I got him and I never really saw pictures of him after September, but I got him back on camera after after I took the buck that I took, um, I got him back on camera. I think it was like the first and second week of December. And I thought to myself, I said, Oh, do I want to hunt him? I don't know. Cause we have three, three, uh, I just said four, we have three buck tags here in, um, in Virginia. And, um, I thought about hunting him, but I was like, you know what? I said, I'm happy with, with where I'm at, with what I got this year. I said, I'm just going to leave him alone he will be a stud if he makes it into next year. And I actually, I haven't checked my cameras yet. Um, I plan to check them at some point either this weekend or early next week to see what bucks made it through, but he will definitely be a target. And hopefully, you know, I saw a couple other ones on camera and even the eight pointer I, I saw, um, the morning I took off work, he will be a good buck next year too. So I'm, I'm hopeful that there'll be some more moving in and, and, um, I'll be able to access, that property which i'm pretty sure they're gonna let me you know stay at it so that's exciting yeah any any big or major changes upgrades stuff that you would look to do drastically different next year i'm definitely going to invest in either a ladder stand a hang-on stand or a tripod stand that way I don't have to consistently carry in my climber every single day. Yeah. Um, with that being said, though, I, I love hunting out of a climber. Uh, I think everything, every single buck I've killed up to this point has been out of my climber. But I think I'm going to invest in a second climber. That way I can kind of leave it. And then if I don't you know, go back to hunt, I have another one where I can kind of rotate through and, and hunt different spots. And um, I think that'll keep me from feeling so much pressure to go in and out with my climber every single day. Um, so investing in some more stands. And um, I think um, now that I kind of, I feel like I kind of have a grip on where the deer are moving and traveling and bedding, um, I might try to make a food plot in one area of the field of the back corner, um, which is just off of the power line where I think they're bedding. So I think that'll make a big difference. I don't know what our acorn crop is going to be like next year, but I think if I have a different food source for them, then, um, I think I'm going to see a little, I think I'm going to see more bucks traveling through. So trying to get more food in the area, 
more stand placement um, and stand choices. That way I just, I can not be as frustrated uh, with one stand over and over and over. Yeah. So those are my two goals for that, um, that area next year. Gotcha. Yeah. Those climbers can be, uh, can be exhausting. I remember yeah. it was a couple of years ago. Um, our production director, Nick Powell, he drew a, like a, a wildlife management area, public land tag down here in Texas, basically allowing him access to this certain 5,000 acre piece of state owned land, but you have yeah. still have to have permission to hunt it, I guess, however that works. But, um, I went out there to film for him and what we had to work with out there was climbers. And yeah. that was the first time we both had ever used them like religiously for several days. And oh my word, it was mm -hmm. exhausting. I remember the last morning, um, I, we found a really tall tree, like about as tall as you get in Texas. Like you could probably go 20, 25, 28 feet up. And so I'm the cameraman. So I'm like, all right, well, I got to get above him. So I went as high as I possibly could. And he's fumbling around with his stay on the ground. And when he looked up at me and saw how high it was, he just had this look of defeat on his face. Cause he's like, you just went that high. That means that I have to get right I, up there I, next to you. <laughs> he was very yeah. disappointed. <laughs> yeah. And it's not, it's not easy. I mean, it's, it's physically demanding it yeah. when you, when you do it over and over and over. Um, you know, I, I mean, at the beginning of the season, when I start using it, I'm, I'm sore the next day yeah. and it's, it's probably pitiful for me to say, but you know, I am and I feel it. And it's just like, especially when it's hot, you know, when it's the beginning season and it's, you know, it's hot October days and you're just like, by the time you get up there, you're sweating. And it's just like, is this really worth it right now? Yeah. You know? And it, I just get so mad when I start getting hot and sweating. I'm like, this is not how it's supposed to be. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah. don't get me wrong. I hate hunting when it's freezing too. I hate it. I, I like hunting when it's, when it's warm. <laughs> uh, I'll take somewhere in between. I, <laughs> I, I don't do, I don't do well with the, with the unseasonably warm hunts myself, but yeah. I also don't want to be in a tree freezing my toes off. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, one other thing that, uh, I wanted to kind of bring up and it, it's, it's kind of random, but kind of related. Um, was kind of talking about the whole shooter pass factor because w whether it's this new property that you're, you know, starting these new adventures on, or even going back to your, your previous experiences on previous pieces, um, you've, you've always been very, very diligent and very mindful of, you know, trying to give deer a chance to get mature, you know, and, and doing your best to, to have good quality deer on your place. Um, so what are, and, and I, sidebar to that too is that I, I know you and i have compared some notes you know here and there too whenever uh, a borderline deer might show up on camera or whatever the case might be but what are some things that you look for what are some of your thought processes behind making that shooter pass determination on a buck number one for me is my camera my trail camera usage I, and i've had this conversation with a couple of people who aren't big into using cameras I, you know, I tell them all the time, I'm like, honestly, like, I don't know how I would make a decision in the moment if I didn't know a buck. Um, I think the ability to get to know what deer are on your property with trail cameras are huge because, you know, you might have a buck that you think is borderline, but then 
you know that there's a bigger buck on your property are you gonna wait for that one but if you don't if you don't know if you don't have cameras out there and you don't know you know it's for me it would be very hard to judge so i love using my cameras because i think that helps me rule out certain deer um that might be borderline for me or you know if i have a target buck in mind based on my cameras like i'm going to solely focus on that buck and and try to stay away from the other ones so camera usage is huge for me um I also, honestly, I don't plan on shooting a deer unless I'm going to mount it. And, you know, a lot of my friends are like, but that's, you, you get a shoulder mount every time you shoot a deer. I'm like, yeah, I, I just, that's, that's my preference. And yeah, that's um, yeah. yeah, and it's, it's super expensive, but at the same time, like, I just think that it gives value to, to the bucks that you're killing and, um, you know, I mean, European mounts, they're beautiful too, but I just prefer the shoulder mounts and, um, I, I'm not going to take a buck if I'm not going to mount it. And so I think that helps me judge in the moment as well. Um, you know, I'm like, eh, yeah, no, I'm not going to mount that one. I'm not going to shoot it. Um, and then they, you know, they have the ability to be something in the next year or two. And it's crazy what deer can be if you give them one year or two years, yeah. you know? Um, also I think it goes in, obviously, you know, the maturity of the deer, um, which again, cameras help me study that. Um, is it a young buck? Does it have potential to be something else in a couple of years? Do I have the ability to let it pass? Do I have pressure on my land? It, you know, if I let this deer go, somebody else going to kill it or can I let it go and it, it'd be fine because I don't have a lot of pressure on the land that I'm hunting. Um, this year, I don't think that I really had a lot of pressure where I was hunting. So, like I said, the buck that um, came that I showed up late season, which is, I mean, I think it's a shooter buck, but I said, no, I'm just going to leave it alone and, and it should be a stud next year. Yeah. Um, you know, I have that ability where some people might not. But at the same time, like, I think it's, with that being said, like, there's no point, I don't, I don't, feel like i'm greedy when it comes to to hunting um where some people are and, and if they see a bug they're going to shoot it because it's on their property and they know that somebody else is going to kill it if they don't i think greed does come into effect into a play when it comes into hunting for some people um but i just i try not to see it that way you know yeah. because if i don't give it a pass then that buck might not make it you know so um maturity level of the deer I always try to judge that cameras are huge for me, the pressure on my land and uh, my ability to judge whether I'm going to mount it or not. I think that those all go into play as far as when I'm making a de decision out there, you know, it, and it, I think for, for different people, it, the perception is different. And even me a couple of years ago, I would have taken different deer than I take now based on what I've killed in the past. And yep. I think, um, as you, you know, as you mature as a hunter or as you grow as a hunter, your, your perception and what you want to kill changes. And, um, and I think still we have to remember that if it excites you to the point where you're going to be happy about it, then value that. And if it excites you, you don't need to explain to anybody else, you know? And I think, I think hunters as we all have standards you know i think this year i actually saw a lot of posts on social media where it wasn't my biggest but 
you know, like you're downplaying your deer, you're downplaying your kill at that point. If it excites you, you know, and you're happy about it, take it. Yeah. So I think, I think sometimes we just forget that we're doing this because we love this. It's a passion. You know, most people hunt because it's a passion of theirs and, you know, it's a true hobby and we love doing it. And sometimes we forget that we get excited, like go for it. If it excites you, go for it. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's standard this, standard that, but don't forget about the excitement in it. I love the way you articulated it, and because most people might hear that that statement of, "Well, if I'm not if I'm not going to mount it, I'm not going to shoot it." You know, if you take that alone out of what you just mm-hmm. said, people look at it like, "Oh, she's a trophy hunter." That that that's yeah. all there is to it, and you you elaborate on it so much better than that because it it is so much more than that. It is, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, yes, it's a standard, but it's not, you're not just being greedy for big deer. That's, that's one of your, your personal criteria, but then there's also a level of level of respect for the animal that comes with that. And then there's, uh, a, another level of sense of accomplishment, especially when, you know, somebody like you that actually works, you know, puts time and effort into a property and into the deer on that property, you know, being able to, to remember that accomplishment of growing these deer to that point, you know, through that, through that animal on the wall, you know, it's, it's more than a trophy hunt. It's, it's, uh, it's a standard, it's, it's an accomplishment. It's, it's blood, sweat, and tears, you know, at that point. So (laughs) you're dang right on that one. (laughs) Yeah. you know, and, and it's like, I don't, if, if I need meat, I'm going to take a doe. I don't want to just shoot a buck just for the sake of, you know, shooting a buck. Right. Because to a sense, I, I guess I would be a trophy hunter. Um, but that's what really, really excites me. And, you know, I, and I know there are other people out there that are like, no, we're doing this strictly because we need deer meat. And that's perfectly fine. You know, whatever your perception is on your hunting and whatever you get from it and whatever excites you, I think, you know, you don't like, don't let others downplay that, like value what you really truly love about hunting. And I truly love watching these deer grow and taking them at a point where I'm going to put them on the wall. Yeah, there, there's a huge, that, that just, you, you don't get that understanding or that, uh, the impact of, you know, that accomplishment unless, unless you do it, unless you, you are involved more deeply into managing a property and stuff. And, and I, I love what you said too about your, your perception or your standard might change over time too. Because mm-hmm. like last year on our property in Texas, I was, I was trying in the name of everybody knows us if you've been following us for over a year watching Texas dirt, but, um, in the name of deer management, I was passing bucks last year that in years prior on properties prior, I would have shot them the second they walked out, but I let them walk one Mm -hmm. of them. Yeah. I probably should have shot one of them (laughs) in hindsight for sure. Should have shot one of them. But then we get into this year. And with our drought and all the other things, and we've talked about on the podcast before, but all, all the other things that we were impacted by, we didn't have the caliber of bucks that we had last year. And so I'm going into this season like I'd, I'd kill to see one any one of those deer that I saw last year, you know. But um, at the same time, we had to, you know, you still have to 
be management minded to a point and then again using your trail cams using your intel you know we were able to determine down here that hey this is a coal buck here down here pretty much we need to get some yeah. of these coals out of here and these mature bucks that still have the potential to be something better with better vegetation everything next year we need to make sure that we let them walk and focus on some coals this year so yeah it's it's an ebb and flow it's a give and take and mm -hmm. yeah it's it's a study is what it is yeah it is and i mean if you if you come in my house and look at my deer from my first buck you know, to the second year I started hunting, to the third year, I mean, it just progresses. And, and I'm, I mean, it's something I'm super proud of. And, uh, you know, I feel like I've grown as a hunter to the point where I, I'm not trigger happy. You know, I can I can watch them. I can pass on them. I'm, and I'm, I like that. Other people don't care about that, and that's perfectly fine. But that's just something that I've always progressed with, and I, and I value it, and I'm, I appreciate it. Honestly, I, I, I like investing a lot of time in these deer and watching them grow. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, so much more of a, a reward in the end when you do that. And it's, oh, yeah. yeah. Can't explain it. So, yeah. Yep. And th I think, you know, this year, like it's, I feel like I really, really was proud of myself this year because a hundred percent, a hundred percent me, you know, and in the past, like, you know, I've had help. I've, um, no, I haven't hunted out of my boyfriend's stand and, and, you know, he let me pull the trigger, you know, I, not that, but, um, this year it was all me and that excites me, I think in a sense, because a lot of the times, like, you know, I've had people ask me before, or, um, I get other people telling me, you know, who's letting her hunt, you know, cause she, you know, she killed a big deer and I'm like, no one, like I'm doing this myself and, and I don't. And I know, you know, the stereotype of, you know, a girl hunting with her boyfriend and she kills a big buck on his property. I don't want to be that stereotype. Like, I, I want to work for it. I want to learn how to do it. And and I learn by doing, you know. And I think that that's always been my challenge. And and I love, love that I've kind of figured it out as I go, you know. And so this year, I'm just super, super proud of myself for doing that. That's awesome. Rightfully so, for sure. I, I hate, I hate the, the perception that like you alluded to that social media gives off on no, no matter who it is, you know, whether, whether they're saying that all she was just, you know, handed that deer basically, or even mm -hmm. for, you know, I know some of these other, other big name guys, you know, in, in the industry that they shoot a big deer and, everybody starts jumping on them because they're like, Oh man, they, they make all the money in the world. They can, you know, nobody can pay for deer. No, nobody like us can pay for deer, you know, of that quality, yeah. but they don't, they, they're quick to judge and what they don't realize that that, yeah, he might be a, a big name guy with a show, but he owns 500 acres of his own land yeah. and he manages it. And he's been working on building that caliber of buck for four years already. You know, they, they exactly. completely ignore that fact. So, I, I hate that that's out there, but you know, good for you for oh, yeah. breaking the mold. So yeah, I mean, people people can judge, but you know, we know what we do. Yeah, and exactly. we know the work that goes into it, and you know, Keep gotta be happy. With, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Well, uh, Kim, I've really enjoyed our conversation uh, this evening. It's been fun to to catch up to recap your your challenging yet still rewarding season. You were you were handed a an intimidating blank slate. It seemed like, but uh, made the most of it. So. 
appreciate you sharing that. Thank you for having me on here to tell the story. I appreciate it. You bet. Well, for our listeners, we're going to wrap it up here. Thanks for listening to another Fall Obsession podcast episode. If you haven't already, hit that follow and subscribe button, whatever platform you're listening on. We're on all major uh, podcast platforms as well as our YouTube channel and Carbon TV. So be sure you check us out uh, wherever you prefer to listen and turn those notifications on. We drop a new episode every single Monday morning so you can start your week and you're driving to work with uh, Fall Obsession podcast and be dreaming about deer season even though it's already over just like i am over here right now so um, social media facebook instagram twitter go wild go follow fall obsession we post daily um, fallobsession.com is our website that's the hub go there to find all of our content all of our media series gear reviews wild game recipes podcasts you name it we got it go check it out pick you up some apparel and last but not least, Ridge Rock Hunt Company. They are the podcast partner, Derek and Lacey over there in Mississippi. They do an outstanding job setting folks up with vetted and trusted outfitters across the country. Um, so whatever you're looking to hunt, if you're looking to check off that bucket list hunt or that dream hunt you've been saving up for, give Derek a call. He'll work with you on timeline, licensing, uh, state, outfitter all that kind of stuff all of his outfitters are vetted and trusted so give ridge rock a call check them out on social media and on their website ridge rock hunt company kim thank you again enjoyed it thank you all right guys we're back again next week for another fall obsession podcast i'll catch you then